You're listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. At Southwide Baptist Church, our mission is to boldly proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ and thereby lead people to worship God authentically, connect in biblical community, grow in Christian maturity, and multiply disciples and churches both locally and globally. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. Now let's join Pastor Jeremy for today's message. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, let me invite you to turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, how many of you knew that hymn? Okay, all right. wasn't sure, wasn't sure. Um, that's one we've not done before, uh, I don't think, in the last uh, couple of years anyway. And I uh, hope that some of you knew it. What an incredible message that it is for God to be our vision. Well, as I prayed about uh, this Sunday, it is the first Sunday of 2020. Um, it is the first Sunday of a new year, a new decade of ministry together as a church. Uh, as I prayed through what it is that um, that God would have us to be reminded of this morning, um, there are two things that continued, two texts that continue to resonate uh, in my mind. One of those is Colossians chapter three, verse sixteen, that says this: "Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs." with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So that was one of the texts that were on my heart and my mind for you. The second one was this passage here in First Peter. Now, we've been to this passage before. In fact, we've been here several times over the past five to six years, uh, two to three times together, even on Sunday morning. The last time we were in First Peter 2 was July 5th, 2017. So, Almost three years ago, and it was during our walk through our vision together as a church when we talked about what it meant to worship, connect, grow and multiply. In particular, it was during our grow uh, season when we talked about what it means to grow into Christian maturity, to be more like Jesus. And what this passage serves to do is it gives us the substance of Christian growth. How is it that we are to grow, how we're to know God more deeply, how we're to be more like him, how we're to serve him more faithfully. And so the passage gives us a foundational principle for what it means for us to grow in Christ. But more than that, this passage actually serves as a foundational principle for all that we do as a church. Both Colossians 3 and 1 Peter 2 have as their theme one primary thing, and that is the Word of God. Right at the heart of these verses is the Word of the living God and how we are to relate with the Word in our lives. The central theme, the Bible. The driving issue for both Paul as he wrote Colossians, and Peter, as he wrote First Peter, the driving theme for them is 
the Bible and making the Bible not just an add on to our faith or a foundation of our faith that we move on from making the Bible the very core, the very fabric of everything that we do. The Bible to be life. The Bible being the foundation of all that the church at Colossae was, all that all of the churches across Asia Minor are, and certainly the foundation of who Southwide Baptist Church is. The Bible should be the very authority under which we live. It should be the foundation upon which we build. The Bible is the wisdom that we so desperately need. It is the character that we must become. It is the food that we must eat, Jesus says. It is the treasure that we must mine. God's Word is life for us. This is why it is one of the core values of our church. Bible saturation. If we relax in this one area, and we are so prone to relax there, if we relax when it comes to the Bible, then we have absolutely nothing at all to stake our faith on and nothing at all to stake our church on. And so I am deeply zealous this first Sunday of the year that the Bible be life to you. But even beyond you personally, for us as a church, there are at least two other reasons why I feel particularly compelled, even before we read the passage, to bring us to the place of reminding us of who we are. One of those is that the Bible, Bible saturation is the core to all that we do as a church. You've seen these four words over and over again, worship, connect, grow, multiply. And all of these things are things that we're about. But underneath all of these things is that Bible saturation component. We cannot worship God authentically for who He really is and who we really are without knowing the Bible and who God declares us to be and who He declares Himself to be. We cannot connect in biblical community. We can't have relationships with one another that are biblical without knowing the Bible. You see, it's the core of our connect groups. Yes, we we have relationships and we enjoy one another, but at the heart of everything that we do as connect groups is the Bible. We cannot grow. You have no idea what you're to become. And actually, the Bible teaches us that it's the Bible that fashions us into who we are supposed to become and tells us what we are supposed to do, gives us instruction. And so you cannot grow in your relationship with the Lord without the Bible. And you certainly can't multiply because we've gone to command, we've gone to proclaim all the things that He's commanded us. And we find that in His Word. You see, at the very heart of who we are is gospel proclamation and Bible saturation at the very heart. And so the second reason is because the Bible is the center of all we do, not only individually, but now as a church. And along with that, there's one other major reason that we need to see this as the very first message of the year. Next week, I'm beginning a new series, and I hope that you will be with us for this. It's a series through the book of Ezekiel. And I don't know how many of you have ever studied Ezekiel, but it is not an easy book to understand. And I'm going to call us to a couple of things. One, that we would journey together through this book. But two, that you would journey personally through this book and read all the way through as we walk through this series together. Because we need God's help. And we all need to be students of the Word. And so beginning next week, that you would begin to read all of Ezekiel, at least by the end of the the series, if not multiple times before. And so we need, we need, in these three areas, we need a longing 
for God's word to be stirred in us once again. And so that's the message this morning. So if you found your place, I want to invite you to stand with me all across the room in honor of the reading of God's word. It's the first three verses of chapter two this morning. Peter writes to the church, so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants. Long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Our God, you are good. I have tasted and seen because you have saved me. And those in this room who know you, it is not by our merit that we come before you this morning. And it is not on our righteousness, but the righteousness of Christ. And I I thank you that we can come to your word this morning and we can drink deeply and eat to fullness this morning from what you have given us. I pray that in the hearts of believers this morning, you would stir a holy affection for your word, God, that is unquenchable. That we would desire Your Word above all else this year. God, not just in lip service alone, but that we would give our lives to the study, the reading, the memorization, the practice of Your Word this year. God, may Your Word saturate our lives individually and corporately from every group that gathers to every service that we're in. God, to everything that we venture to do in our lives each and every day, our plans, our goals. God, may it all be saturated with Your Word, I pray. Lord, if there is someone here who's never trusted in Jesus, Your Word says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. And so I pray that the Gospel by Your Holy Spirit would be made clear through the preaching of Your Word this morning. And that every person in this room would sense a need for Jesus Christ. And the forgiveness of sins that is made available only in Him. And that they would come to faith in You today. And Lord, we'll give You glory for all that takes place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. There is, there is a very clear background of 1 Peter. Peter makes that very clear in the first chapter. All of the Christians who are scattered across Asia Minor, this persecution that they're all enduring, they're all being persecuted for their faith. We know this was in the first century. And so all of, all of these Jews that were coming to faith in Christ, all of these Gentiles that were coming to faith in Christ, they were, they were persecuted by the culture of the day, by the government of the day, because their faith was not a popular one. People were being killed every day for their faith. We think today people across the world being martyred for their faith is, is just an absolute uh, outrage. And yet this was an everyday practice in the, in the place called Rome, all of the Roman Empire. And so Peter writes to this church to encourage them. In fact, this second chapter is just the continuation of the first chapter. The, the whole argument of the book really begins in the first chapter. In verse 21, he says, since all of these people are believers, they have faith and hope in God through Jesus Christ. 
And as a result, verse 22, they've been sanctified and their lives are, uh, are, are given to obedience. That they should love one another. The very first command that we have as a result of that salvation is that they should love one another fervently with a pure heart. That's the command of the Scriptures. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. If you want to know how the church is going to endure persecution in difficult times, it's going to be through their love for one another as a result of the Gospel. Having known love in Jesus and now giving that same love to one another, I am so incredibly thankful for the love that is displayed in this church family, especially over the last six months to a year, as God has just done a work among us. The care and the concern. Yesterday, I I just encouraged about how our connect groups rallied around the Platon family and all that they're facing right now with Tina's dad. I I don't know if you've been following that. Tina's dad had a major, major, um, uh, what they thought or they think, still don't know if it's pulmonary embolism. And he's been in in Sacred Heart, I mean, in uh, Baptist Hospital in Pensacola under a medically induced coma, essentially. Um, but just immediately connect groups rallying around people and loving on them. I've watched prayer happen last week. As you know, the, some of you know, the West family, Jason lost his mother. And, and, and immediately there was just an outcry, a rally around them because of love. See, when the church suffers together and loves one another, it remains strong and healthy. And it's only because of the love of Christ in us. But there is a second command that follows from that in chapter 2. It's the very next command that we have. There's two of them there. They're told to put away all malice. But the main idea of that is a servant to the second command. And that is to long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the pure spiritual milk. It's a command and it's the way the church will endure. What is it that is that milk? It's the Word of God. We long for the milk of the Word of God. It says there in verse 25, the Word, or chapter 1, verse 25, the Word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the Word which by the Gospel was preached to you. And then we get to chapter 2. He's describing the Word again, that we should desire that Word as newborn babes desire milk. That's the command. Desire the Word in this way. That's the instruction, the main imperative, the main thing that Peter wants us to be after is that we would cling to our Bibles. The main thing that Peter wants in our lives is that we would desire our Bibles, love our Bibles, that the Bible would be everything to us, that it would be our lifeblood, that, that, that whether we eat or whether we drink, we do anything in our lives, we eat and drink the Word of God. And this is everything that we live by. That's what he means when he says to, desp- to, to, to desire the pure spiritual milk. That is the milk of the Word. Feasting on the Bible. When Jesus was questioned by Satan, when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, he said to Satan, return this to him. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And in saying that, he set forth a standard. 
And that is that disciples of Jesus no longer walk according to their own wisdom. They no longer walk according to the wisdom of the culture and the world. That Christians now live by the word. It is our call. It is the way that we live. And I am so zealous for you this morning that you live 2020 and the rest of your life by the word of God. That you desire it just as a baby desires milk, that it would be everything for you. That it would not just be an add-on to your story, but that it would be all that is your story. And there's a lot of reasons. There's, there's a popular teaching today that is, that is trying to separate Jesus and the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection from the Bible. And somehow say, we don't need, thus saith the Lord anymore. We don't need the words of the Bible. That's not as important as the story of the Bible. We just need Jesus and the resurrection. And so this is so incredibly important because it is not true that we only need Jesus and the resurrection. And without the Word of God, we wouldn't know about Jesus and the resurrection. And the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We need the Bible. You can't jettison the Bible. There is no separation between the truth of God and the Word of God. It is truth. Your Word is truth, the disciples said. At the moment they were tempted to walk away, the disciples said to Jesus, where else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. We need the Bible. And the Bible needs to be more than just a casual add-on to your life. Listen to me carefully. You need more than just you versions verse for the day. Okay? You need every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You will not survive this world without God's Word. I I just want to be transparent with you. I'm struggling this morning to find strong enough terms to even convey what the Scripture is saying to us this morning. And I, I just think that we take far too casual of an approach to this book. Like, I, I, if we were to do a survey of this room, I, I wonder, I wonder how many Christians in this room have actually read through their entire Bible. I, I wonder how many Christians in this room have, have memorized more than just one or two verses of Scripture. I wonder how many of the Christians in this room have, have taken places in Scripture and, and, and inserted their own thoughts. I wonder how many Christians in this room have memorized sayings that they've always heard growing up and think they're in the Bible, but don't really realize they're not there at all. Oh, that we would be people of this book. Southern Baptists have, have been known traditionally to be people of the book. And I just don't know if it's been pulpits of the book or people of the book. And we ought to be people of the book. It ought to be so We ought to have such biblical saturation in this room that when I say something that walks away from here, that I get called on it immediately. I just I don't know if we're there. Here's what I do know. What I do know is that God is calling us to be there and there is one overarching truth in this passage that we cannot ignore. The disciple of Jesus, there is, it's not a suggestion. The disciple of Jesus must long for, it's an imperative. The disciple of Jesus must have an insatiable hunger for God's Word. 
must desire, he says, the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Desire the pure milk. The Word brings about faith in Christ. The Word is wielded by Christian leadership. The Word is central to the Christian community. All of these things. Life for us is feasting on the Bible. And so we ought to do that. In an attempt to try to bring as much as I can for you this morning, wait to that. I want you to see three different things in the text. There are two imperatives. First one found in verse 1. Two commands. Verse 1, verse 2, those two commands, and then the result of those commands actually forms another thing that we should do. It's not an imperative in the passage, but there are three essentially commands in the passage because the one results from the other two. So let me give you those those this morning. And then what I want to try to do is wrap some practical meat around this for you because I am am just, I'm, I'm so jealous this morning that you would make this year the year you get into the Bible. So, number one, you must have a desire for God's Word. You must have a desire. If we're going to hunger for it, if it's going to be insatiable, it begins with actually having a desire for the Word. And that's what Peter says. Long for or desire the Word. To long for something is an affectional word. It's not just something to do, it's something to feel. You ought to have in you a desire, a yearning for, a hunger for the Word. I don't have to tell any of you how to be hungry. Amen? Some of you are already there and it's not even lunchtime yet. Yeah. I don't have to tell you how to be hungry. There's something in you that wants food. <laughs> um, some of us want Lots of food. Um, That's me. So, there ought to be an insatiable hunger, not like food, but like a newborn baby, Peter says. A desire. doesn't say study the Word. It's interesting. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say memorize the Word. It doesn't say read the Word. All of those things are important, and I would argue that they flow out of the other, but it actually says desire the Word. Oh, this is so good. Get this if you get nothing else. The battleground for our Bible intake is not at the do level, it's at the desire level. Let me say that again in case you missed it. The battleground for us getting the Bible in us is not at the do level. It's at the desire level. You don't figure out how to read the Bible more you figure out how to want the Bible more. This is what he says. Long for the Bible as in the pure milk, the Word. It's an illustration. He uses the illustration, babies and milk, children and milk. And of course, we all know what this looks like. Whenever our children were young and they wanted milk, there is nothing that they would take that would satisfy that desire except for the milk. Amen? Right? Right? How many of you are parents? How many of you have been parents? Grandparents? How many of you got grandchildren right now that you just give them back to their mama when they want milk? Right? So we know what it means for our children to want something. Some of us, it was Christmas presents this year and they just wanted that one thing. Right? You've got to satisfy the, the desire. And so what he's saying is, like a baby desires milk, we ought to desire in that way 
By the way, it's not a description of simplicity. Be careful. It's not saying I just want the basic things of Scripture. I I just want the milk of Scripture. We know that because 1 Corinthians, Paul tells us and the writer of Hebrews in chapter 5 tell us that we should move on from milk to meat. We should, yes, love the milk, but add solid food to our diet. You don't just get content with the with the small, simple, shallow things of God. It's not an elementary understanding that that he is advocating here. He's he's not even describing the illustration like a like a baby desires milk has nothing to do with the substance, but rather with the desire of the human heart. It's what he's illustrating. So in the same way the baby craves, you crave God's word. A deep, rich, robust knowledge and love for God's Word. So Peter says to us, desire like a newborn baby desires milk. And, and by the way, it's interesting here that a baby doesn't have to be taught how to desire milk. Right? Don't have to teach them. They just know. Why? Somebody tell me. They're born that way. Now wait for this. Don't miss this. I think this is critical to what Peter is saying to us. Newborn baby born says, I want milk. And a newborn Christian says, I want the Word. Can we do a heart check for just a moment? I I think there are a lot of believers that call themselves believers. Believers. Who are never in God's Word. Because there is no natural love for God's Word. Because they've never been born with it. What am I telling you? The desire for God's Word is not disciplined into us. But created in us by God. Through whom we are born again. And if this morning, listen to this Christian, if this morning you claim to be born again and you have no love for God's Word that works itself out in intake, in you being in it, you really need to do a serious heart evaluation. And ask yourself the question, have I really been born again? Because those who've been born of God love the things of God and the Word of God. So like a newborn Christian, (laughs) desire the pure milk of the Word. And the word pure is so incredibly important. Don't call your intake of the Word of God the devotion that you read from Oswald Chambers. It's good. But don't call that your word for the day. This is your word. This is His word. Commentators, devotional guides, self-help stuff, those kinds of things, books, all of those things are good. But this is what we're called to live by. It doesn't matter What Joel Osteen said, or Beth Moore, or Alistair Begg. It doesn't matter what any of these people said. If it's not in this book. You see this. I need God and His Word. 
above all of these other things. And I should desire that. Secondly, secondly, Paul gives a servant command to that. Because if you'll notice, the way it's phrased, we jumped verse 1 and went to verse 2. There's one major command there, long for, right? Desire. There's another command before that. Put away. That command is a servant to the second. You can't do the second. You can't desire the Word. You can't say that you desire the Word if you're not doing the first along with your desire for the Word. So, what does that mean? He says, put away what things? Malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all slander. This is sinfulness. So, if we're going to desire the Word, we must also consistently obey the Word. You can't separate, watch this, you can't separate your your intake of the Word from your obedience to the Word. They go hand in hand. You see, out of the heart proceeds all of the things of life. Everything. Every issue of life. And so if you have a a God-born desire for His Word, then you will have God-born activity in your life. You will live for Him. You can't truly love the Word without obeying the Word. Desire for God's Word requires that we lay aside these things, and the more we love God's Word, the more we lay them aside. It's a hand-in-hand kind of thing. Maybe to put it bluntly, you can't desire the Word and hold on to malice. can't do it. It's not possible. You're going to love one or love the other, but you can't love both. You can't love the Word and be filled with deceit, full of lies, dishonesty, cheating. You can't can't do that. You can't love the Word and wear a mask like a hypocrite. You can't love the Word and be distracted by envy. Jealousy. You can't love the Word when your lips are pouring forth ungodliness. These are all the things that we see in that first verse. You can't do that, and that's not an exhaustive list. Maybe to say it succinctly, you can't love the Word and love your sin. See, here's what happens. It's interesting because whenever you read the Word, it actually begins to expose the heart and expose the sinfulness that is there in each and every one of us. Everyone in this room is full of sin. And the beauty of the gospel is that God has forgiven our sin and he's changing us out of our sin. And so if you're here this morning and you know Jesus, there is a journey that began for you when you were born again of God. Yes, transforming your mindset on your sin and radically redeeming you from immediate some immediate sense of sin. But now the greed is falling away. The malice is falling away. The more you're in the word, this is what happens. So Hebrews four. The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The the Word cuts deep into us. My prayer um, for for me um, when I sit down to the Word is that God would would reveal to me the innermost parts of my heart. Because I I just... Y'all, I'm... Without the grace of Christ, I'm a dirty, no good, rotten sinner. I'm so prone to wander away from truth. And I, I need to be reminded that there is nothing good in me but God. And every time He opens 
my heart and exposes. I, my prayer is, God, would you, would you heal that? Here's the crazy thing about sin. You know, this, and the Bible teaches us this, sin promises us a lot. There's a way that seems right into a man in the end that leads to destruction. Sin promises us a lot. And what it does is it actually returns nothing to us but destruction. And the Word, the Word comes and cuts us deep. I mean, all the way to the core and leaves us filleted before God. Completely crucified and dead. (laughs) But then, living and powerful and it brings not only exposure but healing and forgiveness when we as Christians are led into the truth of His Word. So it's so incredibly important that we obey God's Word. And all that Peter calls us to, it is to obey, to love His Word, to desire His Word. But then there's a third thing here. It's not enough to stay where you are. It's interesting he gives an extent. It's not a command, although it comes across that way. Verse 2, long for the pure milk, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. It's a purpose for your longing that you may keep Growing And interesting, when he tacks on verse 3, if indeed you've tasted the Lord is good, there's a sense in which he, he sees an initial knowing that God's good in salvation. He says, you've tasted this. You, you know God's good. Those of you who know Jesus, you are saved. On that day, you will never forget what God did in your life. You've tasted His goodness. He's forgiven your sin. He is healing your life. And you know that on that day, He set aside your place in heaven. That you are guaranteed a place with Him forever. That is good. Amen? If you've tasted that He's good, well then get back in His Word and keep tasting that He's good. Keep growing in that. If you've tasted it, He's good. Keep doing it. There's kind of a circular pattern here. And it shows us that we must continually develop in God's Word. We must continually develop in God's Word two indicators in the text that we may grow thereby and if indeed you've tasted, the Lord is good. And I see that as a parallel statement from our vision. You know that we were in Ephesians. And you remember Hebrew, I mean um, Ephesians 4. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm not there yet. You're not there yet. We're growing. We're constantly developing in our love for the Word. And there should be an ongoing desire. It's kind of like a well that has no bottom. That we keep drinking from and it's so good and so satisfying and so refreshing. And every time we drink, we're filled in one sense because we're satisfied. But that in another sense, we want more. One of the ways that we foster this is to actually just be in God's Word. Because... The idea of Bible intake is that it begins with desire, not at do, but it requires do. Requires that we actually 
Do it in discipline. And as we discipline ourselves, what we find is on those days where we get up and we don't desire that in our discipline, God interrupts our lives and by His Spirit stirs us once again to love His Word through His Word. You just got to do. It's an amazing thing. You say, what, what is this not desiring God's Word? How? Isn't it interesting that Peter has to command the church to desire God's Word. There is a sense in which we must do in order to stir it up once again what God has already done in us. So my prayer for you is that you would love the Word real quickly. I, I want to I give you some practical things because it is so easy to get overwhelmed by such a big book and to go, where do I start? And I want to just give you some practical things I think you can hang on to and that will help. Um, I would give you four things. We don't have a lot, of untimed, a lot of time to unpack this, but there's four things pastorally. One, that you would pray. That you would pray. Um, I was talking with uh, somebody this morning and talking about a, a particular verse that they didn't quite understand. And, and you know, let, let's just be honest. Sometimes the Bible is hard to understand. Do you know why? Because it wasn't written by me. It was written by God. And I need His eyes. I need what's called illumination of His Spirit. My, my mind needs to be opened to understand. He's my teacher. The Spirit is my teacher. According to 1 Corinthians 2, He discerns the things of God, even the deep things of God. And in order to understand, praise God for teachers and pastors. Amen? Praise God for that. But I, I need... Listen, without the Spirit of the living God, I have no hope to understand or apply His Word. You need Him, so you pray. Psalms are filled with prayers. Psalm 119, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. David prays. We should pray. Pray for understanding. Incline my heart, he prays in Psalm 119, to your testimonies and so on. So pray. Secondly, read. That's pretty simple. In fact, it's so simple that we often get overwhelmed by that one because we don't read. We just don't. So overwhelmed that we don't do it. Paralysis by analysis. <laughs> Paralyzed by our own procrastination. Or sometimes we read for the first three days of the year and we say, yeah, we're going to read our Bibles this year and then the fourth day we forget. Then we read again and then five and six, or seven and eight we forget and then we, a week goes by and then a month goes by and we're back to the same thing that we were. Just read. There is no necessarily a, no Formula you have to follow. I love what uh, uh, what someone shared with me this morning. Um, they took the month of December and read Luke one through twenty four from December first through De- through Christmas Eve, December twenty fourth. That's an awesome way to do it. Find something. One of the ways that I'm doing that this year, uh, I provided for you on Facebook. If you want a print copy, we can we can do that. Uh, began in January one, walking through the discipleship journal Bible reading plan. It's essentially built in five days a week, get two days recovery. And so you can uh, you, you have some some catch up days. And so you read all the way through the Bible in a year. If you want that plan, there's tons of them out there. Download you version. Use it as your Bible reading app, not just their verse a day. There's tons of ways that you can do this every every day. Spoken word. You ought to you ought to be listening to the Bible. 
I want to share a whole lot more on that. But the Bible was originally heard. It wasn't read. It was read publicly. People heard it. That was the primary means through which people heard God's word, which leads to the, ne- the, the last thing I would say about reading, and that is to hear it, the proclaimed word, the preaching of God's word. You need to be under regular, biblically faithful preaching. This is what Paul told Timothy to preach the word. Acts 2, they gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine. You need to be under the preaching of God's word. Third thing that I would say is reflect. Reflect on God's Word. A time where you study. Do word studies. Whatever it is that you want to do, but get into the meat of God's Word. Memorize Scripture. Our kids are great at this. Let them teach you. Let them help you. Let our kids quiz you on some of the verses that they're memorizing. Memorize Scripture. Journal. Um, uh, just thinking through uh, through Scripture throughout the day, meditating on Scripture. Joshua one eight. We're to meditate on His law day and night. Memorialize Scripture. We're about to. Uh, Miss Norma's building a house. I'm excited about this. We're going to go put Scripture on the inside of her walls. Memorialize. Yeah, every one of them. We do the same thing at Joyce's house. And no, you don't read those Scriptures every day, but you remember what Scripture. And you have pictures. Write it on a note card. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Memorialize God's Word for the purpose of meditating on it, thinking on it. And then third, I would say to respond, or fourth rather, to respond. You can't just read it. You've got to actually do it. It's not check off the list that I read my Scripture for the day. It's I read my Scripture for the day and now I've got to figure out what does God want me to do with that? How can I obey that today? Even if you read just one verse every day, like take that and live it. And what you'll find is one verse is not enough anymore. You want more. If you are going to make a plan, it must be intentional. It must be sacrificial. You have to give up Facebook for a little while. Oh, I'm meddling now. You're going to have to give up the tree stand. You're going to have to... I'll move on. Intentional, sacrificial, consistent. Keep going. Don't quit. Don't quit. And it's going to have to be communal. You can't do it alone. See, the walk with Christ was never meant to be alone. Here's the cool thing about this. Some of you you in the room... Life is pretty lonely. And if I were to just be honest with you for a moment, because of our sin, by nature we experience a separation from God that is more lonely than we could ever imagine. But when we get saved, not only do we get restored to our Creator, right relationship with Him, get to know Him. And by the way, that can only happen through the blood of Jesus. It's not going to happen by you doing anything. It happened because Jesus did everything for you and you put your faith in Him. You trusted Him. said, I want to follow you with my life. That's what it means to be saved. That's what it means to be born again. And then God does this incredible work in your life. And here's what the Bible teaches us that God is doing. He's putting us together. You see, we get to be a part of a community called the church. The called out assembly. God's people. Last summer, real quick before we close, last summer, 
our our women went through a Bible reading plan, and and I think maybe I'm wrong, but I think maybe eighty or ninety percent of you finished that plan. You know why that happened? Because you did it together. We need each other. And praise God, you get to be a part not only in a right relationship with a, a heavenly father, but you get to, be a, get to be a part with brothers and sisters in Christ and get to be challenged every single When we get together in connect group, it's a reminder we ought to be in his word. When we're in worship, it's a reminder we ought to be in his word. When we're serving together, we get to live out the word. It's, a, it's just a constant thing. The word is our, is our lifeblood. And you need that. You can't do it alone. So my encouragement and my call to you and the authority of God's Word this morning is that you desire the pure milk of the Word. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to just call you to that this morning. I, I don't know um, what your heart is this morning. God knows that. And that's sufficient, by the way. And His Word is like a... like a one, one person said, we don't read the Bible. The Bible reads us. God knows where you're at this morning. It's like a mirror. Some of you this morning need to make a commitment. The whole first five days of the year are gone. You've not been in the Bible. You need to make a commitment right here, right now, to start today. And so in just a few moments, I want to encourage you to come to this altar and make it a public commitment. You'd say that this, this morning, I, I, I want to make a commitment to be in God's Word. Come to this altar and you make that profession before the Lord. He'll bless that. Bring your Bible with you. Maybe it's your iPad or your phone, but bring that with you and say, today, today I'm making a commitment this year. Find somebody to hold you accountable. Be a part of Connect Group. Be a part of Sunday morning worship. You need that regular intake. There may be someone in this room who say, Pastor, I, I did a heart check. And I, I know why I don't read my Bible because I don't know God and I want to know God today. Will you help me? Jesus has done what is required for you to be saved. If you would just this morning give your faith, trust in Him today. The Bible says all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Just cry out to God today to save you and He'll birth in you what you do not have. He'll forgive all of your sin. He'll bring healing. You'll be restored to a right relationship with Him and today you can know God. So let me invite you to stand with me this morning. All across this room, we're standing together and I'm going to pray. And this altar is going to be open. You step out of where you're standing as we, in a moment, sing. You come to this altar and follow Jesus with your life. Lord, I pray that You'd have Your way in our hearts and God, that we would be obedient. And God, that You would be glorified in all that happens. I pray it in Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Southwide Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor Jeremy Lewis. For more information about our church, please visit www.southwidebaptist.com. We also invite you to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram by searching for Southwide BC. Thank you for listening, and may you continue to worship, connect, grow, and multiply as you follow Jesus Christ.